over and over and over again, only to throw them in the middle of this pretty confusing, murky, and kind of ridiculous uh, storyline that involves them going up against one of their own, uh, sort of, um, in yet another instance of a superhero movie threat involving a beam of light shooting into the sky and uh, debris circling it. And it looks like something from Ghostbusters, basically. Um, the threat that the, super, uh, the Suicide Squad, this, this squad of supervillains, uh, go up against is some sort of crazy eternal magic threat. And when you look at the Suicide Squad, you have a guy who's good with guns, a uh, lady who will hit things with a baseball bat, and then a guy who carries around boomerangs, and like a crocodile man. Okay, and you've got the guy who can shoot fire out of his hands. But when we look at what this actually is, this is a confused, muddled product that can only charitably be categorized as a movie because it doesn't feel like anything about it is thought out at all. You know, I, you're making sense, and I agree that the whole thing is a big mess. The sum of its parts don't work, but or the, it doesn't work, but the, the, it has a lot of really fun parts, I would argue. And, and look, the hyperbole surrounding this movie is, is ridiculous, just as it was with Batman versus Superman. Again, like this movie is, is not very good, but there's plenty to like. And, and I feel the same way about Batman versus Superman. I don't know between the two of them, which is better or worse, to be honest with you. I kind of feel the same way about them. I was certainly more excited to see Suicide Squad than I was Batman vs. Superman because I thought the marketing was excellent. I thought the trailers we got, especially the first Comic-Con trailer that they released, I thought that was it was outstanding. And, and it sold a new kind of DC movie, much different than what we had seen from Zack Snyder in the first couple of Superman movies. Or, or their build-up to the Justice League, anyway. And, and Justice League is a whole different story that, that's referenced within this movie, and maybe we'll get to that a little later. But yeah, you know, unfortunately, this had the the unfortunate, I guess, predicament of pivoting in the wake of Batman versus Superman and Deadpool, for that matter, in terms of how audiences responded to those movies. Yeah. In the small window of time, DC and Warner Brothers had to respond to that. And I think they totally panicked, and I think it showed. You know, it's interesting. I, I read an interesting quote this weekend. I was looking up this movie called Trespass that came out in 1992, and this is tangential, but I think it'll make sense. And the movie, it's it's a, a an interesting sort of genre movie that kind of deals with race relations, and it's surprisingly written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, this movie that stars Ice Cube and Ice-T and William Sadler and Bill Paxton in the early 90s. You just wouldn't have expected it. And I read about the production in, in the aftermath of when it came out, and it was just sort of it got mixed reviews. And Bob Gale, the quote that they attributed to him was, the message of the movie got lost in the gunfire, just in, in referencing just how they had a good idea. They had, they had parts with which to work and make something special, maybe, but... They just got too carried away 
in the action and trying to exploit those elements of the movie that they thought would garner the best audience response and maybe sell more tickets. I think that's the same with Suicide Squad to an extent because while it does have a, a lot of fun moving parts that have that, that show the potential that we saw in those trailers that I did anyway, but it just all devolves into predictable action territory and in all of these tropes that we've become used to. You mentioned the beam of light shooting into the sky. That is seems it seems like that's just in every big blockbuster action movie now. And in something like The Avengers is no different where you've got this like portal shooting up in the sky from a skyscraper and you've got these thousands of supervillain minions running around the city as these just sort of like faceless empty foes that our heroes can can destroy you know quite easily they're very disposable and and that's something that unfortunately suicide's quite employs but the real problem here Corey, for me is like you said all of these introductions and all of this the uh, all of these different things that it tries to juggle at once it's just clear that the reports of reshoots and, again, these reactions that the studio is having, all of that is on display here. And and it's just so clear that the movie got lost in the editing and they they lost focus on whatever they maybe had. And maybe you would argue that maybe they didn't have anything and this is what we were going to get anyway. But I think it just wasted most of its potential in terms of character and in terms of story because – it really has such a loose and unfocused and, and disjointed story progression that it just jumps right in, throws you into it, and just bashes you over the head with all of these different things without actually settling down to tell a story. That was my biggest problem with it. Yeah, that's a, that's a you know major problem um, that the plot is just as completely untethered from from any sort of grounding as it is. And, you know, a lot of the times the easy complaint to lodge at these sort of team-up movies is, well, they try to juggle too many characters. Um, you, you know, critics of uh, Marvel's Captain America Civil War or any of the Avengers movies might levy that same complaint. But but I feel like the difference in a lot of those Marvel movies is that we already kind of know these characters. These characters have been introduced before they've had time uh, in other movies that the audience could get to know them. Uh, Suicide Squad has such a luxury. We're being introduced to, um, well, a truckload of characters, Uh, a lot of major uh, main characters introduced in this movie, some of whom come across okay. You know, I I don't know about you, but I, I feel like Will Smith is, he probably comes across the most unscathed, in this movie because, well, he's Will Smith. That movie star charisma can carry a movie uh, pretty easily. Um, Other characters like whoever Joel Kinnaman is playing, um, and uh, I kind of hate to say it because I have major problems with this character from conception, but characters like the Joker, uh, as played by Jared Leto here, uh, don't really come across that well. Um, they don't have that much to do, especially with the Joker, who is in the movie for all of ten minutes. Um, and uh, otherwise, I mean, I'd say a full, well, a, a plurality of characters in the Suicide Squad are just bland. 
they're not interesting. Um, and if the idea behind some of the reshoots was to add some of that Deadpool-style irreverence, uh, a little bit of humor to sort of brighten up what had become a fairly grim DC movies universe, whatever they tried to do didn't work. Uh, I don't know if you found this movie funny, um, but I did not. And, and just characters quipping every once in a while is not really enough to make your movie like Deadpool. No, you know, I thought that elements of it were funny, but again, it, it was just all totally messy. And, and yeah, I mean, one of the biggest problems with it all is, is, like you said, too many, too many characters, way too many. I mean, there are characters that you could literally take away, and this is a chief complaint from a lot of people. You could take away characters from this movie completely, and and the movie would survive as it is. Like it would be the exact same movie. Like the Katana character, you could you could say the same for Captain Boomerang and, and Jai Courtney and. and I mean, you could even say the Joker, for that matter, like you like you just said. I mean, but I, look, I think Jared Leto does really interesting things with what he has to do. He just doesn't have a lot to do. There's just not a lot there. And and while he's on screen, he's a compelling performer, and he's doing interesting things as as an actor in the character. I, I would like to spend more time with that character, but that's just not why we're here. And, and honestly. I think most of us knew that going into it, that the Joker was going to be a bit of a fringe character as opposed to Harley uh, Harley Quinn and, and the rest of them. But, I mean, the Joker's not my biggest problem here because, again, I you know, I like what he's doing. And, and I think for the most part, the actors do a good job in this movie, including, I, like, Jai Courtney, a guy that is, is sandpaper. Like, he's, he's a walking... He, he he's a shoebox, you know. Like he doesn't, he's done nothing so far in his career to to justify anybody saying that he has anything beyond a pulse on screen. No offense to the guy or anything, but he he does. That being said, he does his best acting work in this movie in the very like minimal role that he has. I mean, there there are just moments that really. I don't know. They, they raised my eyebrows and, and made me wonder. Okay, so what's the point? Like, what what is he even doing here? But you mentioned Will Smith. He's very good. I've i I like Will Smith in this than I have in in maybe a few years. And I think we get that charm and that movie movie star appeal that we grew to love in things like Men in Black and Independence Day and the Will Smith movies that that people really like. And there's a slightly harder edge to him in in this movie than than in those. And, and I really like them. Viola Davis is really good as Amanda Waller. She she is one of the best parts of the movie, and I hope we see more and more of her in this DC extended universe. Because and and we saw a tease to that anyway in the post credit moment of this movie. And, and yeah, she's she's a commodity, and she's very good, and she she really classed up the joint. I didn't hate Joel Kinnaman. I thought he's fine. You can sort of you can sort of file him under the same generic actor. Uh, category as as we have with Jai Courtney, but I thought that his interplay with Will Smith was fine, and, and he, I had very little problem with him. Jay Hernandez as El Diablo, he he, he was pretty good, and, and once we learned why he was there and, and what little backstory he had, they finally stopped and, and had something interesting to say with one of its characters, but it was it was not nearly for long enough, and I guess the biggest takeaway performance-wise that people are going to have with this movie will be Margot Robbie, what we knew going in. Harley Quinn, it's a really terrific character, and she has a great, she gives a great performance, but it's just in the midst of all of this bouncing around. I mean, tonally and, and again, just strict narratively, 
there's just not a lot to work with. It doesn't really amount to much, but there are just enough. There, there's enough entertainment value within these characters, within some of the action, within some of the jokes. The look of the movie is really good. I think that I, I, I come away thinking, okay, I, I, I can't deny that I was entertained for at least you know maybe half of this movie, but I can't say that I was satisfied. Well, I don't like the character of Harley Quinn, I never have. Um, And because of that rather unusual personal thing, on my part, I I don't really like Margot Robbie in this movie. I mean, if if you don't have a tolerance for Harley Quinn, uh, Suicide Squad's probably not for you because she runs all over this movie making jokes and, and doing the Harley Quinn childish giggle thing and and, you know, basically being uh, completely objectified the whole time. Um, that being said, you know, sure, if people like Harley Quinn, this is your Harley Quinn movie. She goes for it, at least. You know, she, she goes she, for it. She's investing a, a performance into this thing. Like, again, I, I think the rest of the cast is, but she, I, I think you could say, is a standout. Uh, well, she stands out. Um, I don't know if that's the best thing all the time. I mean, there, there's some, you know, Harley Quinn is the Joker's sort of tortured, damaged, deranged girlfriend uh, who makes jokes all the time. She just quips the entire movie, and good Lord, did that get on my nerves. Um, but again, I, I just don't, I've never liked the character, uh, never really been... Uh, a fan of the character from basic conception. Um, so that's just me. I, I get it. Uh, but, but yeah, Margot Robbie is, is actually giving a performance. I don't think it's a good performance because I don't think it's a good character. Um, I, I, I do agree that Viola Davis probably comes across, you know, among the best. Uh, but Viola Davis is one of the best working actresses. And if anybody's going to come away from Suicide Squad looking okay, of course, it would be Viola Davis. I don't think the movie looks good, though. I, oh I, no! Visually, yeah. oh, you're crazy. Uh, visually, especially during the action sequences, it's just this dark, muddy mess of gunfire and, I mean, e- extensive gunfire and these like tumorous ash people blowing up or whatever. Um, I don't think that the character designs are that good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of have loathed the way Jared Leto's Joker looks since it was uh, revealed, uh, but the main villain in the film, Enchantress, played by Carla, Cara Delevingne, um, good Lord, that is horrible looking. She looks ripped from uh, a Power Rangers episode. Uh, it is nightmarishly bad. Um, well, we get three different versions of her, though. Like we get, we get the 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 June. What's the character's name? Yeah, the, June the, Moon. We get the June Moon. You know, the, the human psychiatrist. We get we get sort of toned down Enchantress, which I think actually looks really good. Basically. Yeah, that one looks okay. I mean, that's and like then we get Tamara from the Ring. Yeah, and then we get the like you said, the Power Rangers Enchantress. Whenever she was on screen, whenever she was talking in a voice that was definitely not Cara Delevingne. 
No. Just like whenever, whenever that character or her, and, and we're getting slightly into spoiler territory, her brother were on screen, like in this wherever they were, it was so ridiculously stupid. And, and to be honest with you, Corey, if I had a big red flag going into Suicide Squad when I was really excited about it, it was that we, for, for all that we saw in the trailers and, and all that excited me about it, we never really knew what it was the Suicide Squad was being tasked with, right? Like, right. why why were they coming together? What were they What were they working towards? What were they fighting against? And I, I think that they had good reason to withhold that information from people because it would have been a turnoff. It would have been a huge turnoff for me. And and so the, you know, I, I know that with these like groups coming together, these these, these different these different personalities clashing and they, I, I understand like the the primary struggle is the internal one where they've got to figure out how to work uh together before they can before they can take on any sort of foe this is obviously what happens in things like the avengers and, and guardians of the galaxy for that matter that obviously worked so well and and even those movies in, in with their villains you know they're they're not perfect but they solved that first problem and, and managed to make a compelling action adventure climax out of the whole thing that that spoke to the larger story of of this ensemble working in harmony. That's not the case here. They they just they they sort of just randomly come together in bits and spurts. They're forced to go out there and and fight bad stuff that's happening in the city, and we're just sort of supposed to go with it and and for me it all happened too fast and i just didn't really buy again the 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 villains here i didn't think they were compelling at all and i didn't really think they gave the story much to work with oh lord no um who i really the whole action climax of the movie the confrontation between the suicide squad and these villains is, is kind of a disaster conceptually and in execution particularly uh, as one character reveals uh, hitherto unrevealed powers um, that feel ripped straight from like gods of Egypt or something. I mean, it it, uh, it was just such a relentlessly unpleasant viewing experience for me uh, as someone who, you know, growing up preferred DC Comics to Marvel. I, I never read any Suicide Squad comics, but, but a lot of these characters are characters I was familiar with um, from one iteration or another, and, and just, you, you, I'll, I'll tell you, it reminded me of, and this is a movie I was genuinely very, very excited for, because this character was, was one of my favorites uh, growing up. It reminded me of the Green Lantern movie, just uh, messed with, very obviously in post-production, retooled into complete pablum, something that makes no impression, uh, something that is, you know, lowered to the lowest common denominator, um, so that it displays no flash of life or personality whatsoever. The problem with Suicide Squad is it seems like a lot of the post-production work was to give it personality, and it just was a complete miscalculation. Things like all of these music cues. I mean, there are like 50 needle yeah. drops in this movie. It is Too many. unrelenting and, and just completely ridiculous. And they're not, you know, they're not clever music cues. They're the obvious music cues for every possible circumstance. Uh, things like that, which clearly seem the result of, of panicky studio executives, I, 
I just I came away from it just completely miserable and and not enjoying it and certainly not feeling any more relaxed or interested in the future of DC uh DC's film universe than I was after Batman versus Superman even after the extended Batman versus Superman kind of made me relax a little bit you know I thought the theatrical version of Batman versus Superman was a disaster I still think the extended cut is not a very good movie, but it's not a disaster. You know, you can see the vision. You can see what they were going for, even if I don't think they they hit it. Zack Snyder and company, I don't think they hit it with Batman versus Superman, the extended version, but, you know, it's something. And Suicide Squad, it's just barely even a movie as far as I'm concerned. No, no, come on, come on. Look, I, I... if it's not your cup of tea going into it, I can see how somebody would be miserable, but it's not a miserable experience. I think that's just going a little too far. It's a huge mess to be sure. And, and there, I mean, you're, you're justified in your, most of your complaints about it. But again, I, I just, I don't think that this is like a, a test score zero. You know what I mean? Like there, there is, again, it's, it's frustrating how much good there is in the movie. Like, what 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 good that there is deserved a better movie. Again, like, I mean, even some of the story cues. Like, I liked Will Smith and Deadshot's background, and I liked the, the arc that his character attempts to to have, you know, down the stretch involving his daughter. I, I like El Diablo. His his backstory is really compelling. And, and, you know, you mentioned the terrible climax, and the moment that you're talking about specifically is probably the probably the strongest story element of that climax but it's just kind of it's just it's just kind of uh it's kind of a, it's a solid kind of a big wet fart there at the end and it just doesn't none of it really works and it just turns so generic and it, there is no logic really there like geographically narratively again and and again that that's the frustrating part of it but i think if you take characters like deadshot and like el diablo and like Amanda Waller for that instance, for for instance, and and you just like brush away all of this extraneous stuff that for whatever reason exists in this movie kind of just because, then I think you have something and I, and I think you go from there. And and I think I I forget who wrote this, but this movie really plays like a rough draft. It really does. And I, I think, if if it had another pass in the editing room, or I don't I don't know if they didn't pivot the way that they did and respond to the whole Deadpool and Batman versus Superman blowback, then maybe they would have had something. Unfortunately, we're never going to know, and and I think that this is the movie that we're just going to have to live with. And I think that this is a step, honestly, in the end, in the right direction for DC. I think. I don't know. For whatever reason, it, it, it seems like a, a step forward to me, especially like my. I went and saw this with my dad as a DC fan, and, and we talked about it afterwards. And he told me, he told me his favorite parts were when Batman popped up in the movie for these little these little uh, asides that were actually really good, well done, involving Harley Quinn and, and Deadshot, and then again the post credit sequence, and then there's even a, sh- a moment with Flash that that's pretty cool. And, and so I think that they're in a way they're not finding their groove necessarily, but they're scratching the surface surface of the groove and maybe wandering down the path that is right 
in terms of writing the DC ship. Would you agree with that at least? Well, not based on this movie. I, I'm I'm still somewhat optimistic, guardedly optimistic, that the future of these DC movies will be, uh, well, more positive. But that's based on things like the, the trailers for Wonder Woman and Justice League that came out of Comic-Con. It's certainly not based on, on Suicide Squad. You know, I, I agree that the elements are there. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're you're not drawing from some very rich uh material to to make these movies um but you know the the reservation the whole time has been it seems like Warner Brothers is trying to reverse engineer what Marvel sort of built up to and it it doesn't quite work because uh, all of these movies seem reactionary they seem panicky based on uh, the business that, that Marvel is doing. So Marvel releases an Avengers movie, well, we're going to do this. Uh, Marvel hits it with Guardians of the Galaxy, we're going to do an irreverent superhero team-up movie of our own. Um, you know, one of the things, and this is extra textual, and it's not necessary, and it really doesn't have anything to do with, with an evaluation of the finished product of Suicide Squad, but in the days leading up to its release, uh, The Hollywood Reporter released a a story about some of the production issues. Now, the movie, you know, you just asked who wrote it. The movie was written by David Ayer, who also directed David Ayer is no slouch as a screenwriter, right? I mean, he wrote Training Day, which is a pretty good movie. He's written the scripts, I think, for most of the films he's directed. Well, what The Hollywood Reporter story revealed is that David Ayer had six weeks to write the screenplay for this movie so that the movie could make its already announced release date. That's not a way to make a movie like this. To me, that's just evidence that the system is not really, or at least whatever system Warner Brothers has going, is not really conducive to churning out quality movies so much as it is, you know, IP management. People like these superhero movies, so we're going to churn them out. Now, the hope that I have somehow is that they've learned their lesson from the uh, reception to Batman versus Superman uh, going into production on Wonder Woman and Justice League. And against all odds, I mean, you know, those trailers look pretty good, but Suicide Squad's trailers looked pretty good too. Um, I mean, the marketing actually had me pretty hopeful for this movie, and I, I, I mean, I kind of think of it as as a disaster, not a complete disaster, you know, not even the sort of disaster that something like last year's Fantastic Four reboot was, which I think is is one of the worst superhero movies ever made. This doesn't get there for me, you know. It does have elements to it, a pass on the screenplay uh, or two might have you know, revealed those, uh, might have sort of distilled that into something of quality. Uh, but this this hurry up and then panic and shoot things and then panic again in post-production and try to craft it into a film, I mean, of course you're not getting anything particularly good out of that. I'm I'm pretty baffled that that's their business plan, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, the story you're talking about, I mean, that, that supports the rough draft theory. Right. And, and yeah. again, like that, I really, again, I, I go back to the editing room thing. Like this movie is like chop suey, man. Like yeah. it, it just, 
it it just goes everywhere and all over the place and communicates very little and, and tells very very little of a story and and that to me that's the most disappointing and, and obvious problem with the whole thing. I mean, you take the opening of the movie where you get these two scenes introducing Deadshot and, and Harley Quinn, and then that's followed by meeting Amanda Waller, and that's followed by the most inexplicable title card that I can recall. And then we get another handful of introductions to those same characters, among others. And, and while I think that those introductions were fun, and, and that's kind of where they probably should have started, I just don't understand the decisions that went into it. And if that's Ayer's fault, then then it's it's on him. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe they rushed it for sure. And, and if that's the case, it seems to be <laughs> that that seems to be evidence on the screen. But I don't know. I, I, I'm going to stay positive here and, and just assume that this again, like we're we're seeing flashes of positivity in the realm of DC and. Are you with me? Did you did you like the Batman cameos? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I thought that the the scene with Batman is the only scene that I thought Jared Leto's Joker actually worked. Huh. Seeing seeing those characters interplay, however briefly, um, I I got a charge out of that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, let's um, do that movie. You know, like let's just know. like let's yeah, just exactly. pause it and jump and and stay here and the whole suicide squad can just like mosey on the other way. Let's watch the Batman Joker, Harley Quinn movie. Let's watch the Batman Deadshot movie. I mean, that was a great scene too. That was, a good, that was a good scene. Yeah. As soon as he appeared in, in, you know, the, the Bruce Wayne scene at the end. So, I mean, all it can do is excite us for the, the, you know, like you said, justice league, but also the upcoming Batman movie that will be directed by Ben Affleck. And, and I think most people assume that, should be good, right? Have you heard that, the? I'm sorry. No, I mean just that that he's he's the thing that we all loved most about Batman versus Superman, or the only thing for many people, and he's he's clearly one of the things people really like about Suicide Squad. So I think most people probably assume that they're gonna like uh, the the standalone movie. But go ahead. Well, have you heard the rumor about what the standalone movie might be? No, because it's very exciting. If no, what is it? The rumor, you know, they had said kind of obliquely that Batman's standalone movie would feature a lot of members from his rogues gallery, right? A lot of different villains. Well, the rumor is that the standalone movie would be set in Arkham Asylum, which is how that would come to pass. And if that is true, that is very exciting indeed, because that's a setting we have not seen Batman really interact with much at all in any of these movies. No, you're totally right. Arkham Asylum is something that usually appears at the beginning and end of Batman movies, and it's just barely referenced. And I liked the, like, the little moment of uh, where we went to Arkham Asylum and Suicide Squad. I like the graphics that mm-hmm. appeared as uh, as the camera was like, you know, hurling itself over the, the Arkham gates. Like that, that was really cool to me, but... No, that's really exciting, and you know there there are people out there who have referenced the the Batman the animated series episode almost got him as a possible oh, right. you know something that maybe have maybe influenced the bar scene towards the end of Suicide Squad, and uh-huh. 
maybe maybe what you're talking about here with this Batman standalone is that maybe that's something that we're we're looking at and that would be very exciting. But it's in we know that it's in good hands. I mean, we think Ben Affleck's a pretty capable director, right? And we know by now that he's a capable Batman. So you know, as opposed to how you felt going into Batman versus Superman and how you felt going into Suicide Squad and how you generally feel about DC, do you feel yourself fairly optimistic about the future of at least Batman? Uh, guardedly, at least. Uh, on so Batman. still guardedly. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, you describe, describe that moment in Suicide Squad where you see Arkham Asylum and sort of the camera movement, and that's great. But Suicide Squad, to me, um, and honestly, Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel, they seem like movies where the images are interesting. You know, there are certain shots, there are certain uh, concepts and visuals that are interesting, so that, like, you see them cut into a trailer and you think, that's going to be a really good movie. But narratively, uh, for me, that's where these movies fall apart. I'm not worried about the look. I mean, obviously, the look is down. They've got it. They understand what they're working with here, but they haven't managed to pull together a satisfying story yet. So when I say I'm guardedly optimistic, I mean, you know, you can look at the marketing for anything like Wonder Woman and, and, and Justice League and feel a little bit, you know, comfortable or more comfortable about where it's going. But, you know, I guess when you see it in little snippets like that, I mean, Suicide Squad looked interesting in trailers until you saw the assembled finished product and you know I, I guess I'm still worried about that now that said Justice League's trailer from Comic Con is, is less of a trailer really more of a, uh, a little extended reel that actually shows character interaction and that character interaction was all pretty great if that continues through the movie uh, you know, we might be in for something that actually uh, is worthwhile, but I can't, I can't get optimistic about it. To be perfectly honest, at least not unreservedly, uh, because I've been burned twice this year by movies that just didn't do it for me. All right, well, Suicide Squad is out. It's out there, and I know a lot of people saw it. It had big box office, although it had a, a pretty reportedly sub- significant drop on a Saturday, but still a big weekend with like 135 million. We'll see what the drop off is like next week. If it'll reflect what happened to Batman versus Superman from week one to week two. So Corey, before we go here, anything else this summer? Like we've got barely a month left. Is there anything else you're looking forward to before it's all said and done? Yeah. I mean, this weekend we've got sausage party, um, Pete's dragon, which has gotten some really strong, uh, reviews and, and Meryl Streep and Florence Foster Jenkins. I mean, all three of those coming up this weekend. Um, so that that should be a pretty good time at the movies, hopefully. Uh, I'm also looking forward to uh, the upcoming film Hell or High Water uh, with Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, and Ben Foster, this uh, Texas crime thriller from the screenwriter of Sicario um, that has been getting some strong reviews. So uh, all of that seems potentially promising. And of course, at the end of August, we have the Sidewalk Film Festival here in Birmingham, which is always a good time uh, as far as indie film goes. All right, a lot to look forward to. Florence Foster Jenkins has to be the worst title ever, but they're going <laughs> to go with it. And Best of luck to them. They've got Meryl Streep on their side, so that's a good thing. But 
I guess I guess that'll do it for us, Corey. So until then, I'm Ben Flanagan. And I'm Corey Kraft. This has been Aspect Radio. See you next time. One. Oh, yeah, it's like lightning. Everybody was quiet.